Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know that Athletic Brewing Company is my absolute favorite non-alcoholic beer. For me, finding an incredible non-alcoholic beer to drink around the fire pit or at a dinner was a game changer in sobriety. And I love Athletic so much that I became a brand ambassador so that I could share the love. You can save 20% with code KCD20 on your first order of Athletic at their website. Now, they are not sponsoring this ad, but I wanted to share this discount if you wanted to try it out. So my personal favorites are their Golden Upside Dawn and their Run Wild IPA, but I want to hear what your favorites are. Just go to Athletic brewing.com and enter the code KCD20 at checkout. That's C-A-S-E-Y-D-2-0 and you'll save 20% on your first order. Hi there. Today we are talking about your first sober holiday season. My guest is Kim Kearns. She's an author and she releases her first book on the edge of shattered on November 1st. So it will have come out just two weeks before you're hearing this podcast. Kim and I met online as I meet a ton of my new sober women friends. She went to Colby and I went to Bates College. And if you don't know small liberal arts colleges in the Northeast, uh, they are two of three sort of well-known ones in Maine that are very similar. And so we bonded over the drinking culture at our little colleges. I played rugby at Colby and spent a good number of nights totally blacked out, I think, with the Colby rugby team. Kim hosts a podcast. It's called The Weekend Sober. And I got to go on there to have a conversation about the fears that we have about quitting drinking. And I wanted to have Kim on this show because as you're looking at your upcoming holiday season, as you're looking at how you can navigate Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's alcohol-free, I think this is going to be a really good discussion. I quit drinking in February, so I had nine months under my belt by my first Thanksgiving 
and 10 months by my first Christmas and New Year's. Whereas Kim stopped drinking just after Thanksgiving and just after her birthday in November. So hit Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's all within her first month alcohol-free. And whether you are further along in your sobriety or whether you are just getting started and only have a week or two or three under your belt as sort of the gauntlet of drinking events approaches, we want to give you the tips and tricks that you need to get through this. So Kim is a wife to an incredible husband, a mother to three beautiful children. She lives in Massachusetts and she hosts, as I mentioned, the podcast, The Weekend Sober, and is a writer for the Webby award-winning narrative podcast, Fucking Sober, The First 90 Days. So Kim, you can tell us more about you, but welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And this is so funny because... Your your intro and hearing you talk, I'm like, I listened to your podcast and it was such a savior to me in those early days and thinking about like the the holidays in the beginning of my sober journey. Like I, I literally walked the streets of my town listening to your voice and... <laughs> That's crazy in your first holiday season, like as you were on day one and day two and day 10. That's so interesting in 2020, because before this podcast, I always try to get as prepped as possible. And I recorded a podcast, I think back in 2020, with Jean McCarthy, the host of the Bubble Hour, who I absolutely adore. And she had a book on, you know, alcohol-free survival of the festive season. And so we did an interview on that. And that might have been right around the time that you were getting ready for your first sober holiday season. I probably listened to it. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the show notes of this one because it, it's yeah. a really great one as well. But I'm excited you're here. And I wanted to do this episode because I know when I was quitting drinking, I took walks all around my neighborhood, listening to the bubble hour on nonstop repeat. And I know so many women do that as like a way to reset and wrap their mind around how the hell am I going to go to my company Christmas party or the New Year's Eve party, or even sitting around my house with my kids in the lead up to Christmas or Hanukkah without drinking. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people said to me, so I stopped drinking November 28th, 2020. And everybody said to me, I can't believe you quit drinking alcohol during the holiday season during a pandemic. And everybody's like, just wait till January. That's what we do. Like, there's no point, you know, it's only three more weeks, four more weeks. Right, right. People are like, why did you quit drinking during like the most fun time of year? I don't get it. And that was exactly why I had to stop. Because for me, those weeks in between Thanksgiving and Christmas were such heavy drinking days for me. I would just... So first of all, my birthday is November 18th. So the party started November 18th and it went literally through New Year's for me. So I, you know, November 28th, 2020, I woke up that day, you know, in that awful shame spiral at like 4am. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, I woke him up early in the morning 
And I said to him, what would you say if I asked you to help me quit drinking? And it was like a huge relief to him because it was almost like he'd been waiting for me to ask or say that, you know, he had been worried about me for a while because I knew that I could not keep going through the new year. I couldn't just, I knew I couldn't moderate. I couldn't slow down. I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the strength. So I knew at that point I had hit this, like, um, I was just so tired of it all. And I could, I couldn't keep it up anymore because the way I drank was a lot, it was, you know, all or nothing. And, um, for some reason, me being the town I live in, the group of friends I was hanging out with, it was just a very much a, the scene around here was, you know, holiday parties every weekend and, you know, events during the week. So it was just a lot of drinking that I, I was, you know, staring down in like this road of heavy drinking, even during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That, I mean, I feel like that's everyone <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? And I, I think back then it was, we were gathering in people's driveways around fire pits. So it was a lot of that kind of drinking. And even though we weren't having like real holiday parties back then during that winter, I was still drinking a ton. So anyways, I, I said to my husband, I need to stop. And yeah, I chose to, I chose to get sober during the holiday season of a, during a pandemic. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48. So if you are going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep. It is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Well, so what's interesting is it sounded like you, I mean, God, anyone listening to this podcast knows that feeling, knows the feeling of like waking up and being like, I can't do this anymore. And then three days later being like, screw it, fuck it. This is too hard. I'm in physical withdrawal. You don't even think that's it. But like, I just need a drink. And there are so many excuses and reasons to do that in the holidays. But what made this time different for you? Like on the, was it the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend or what, what was it like that this time actually stuck for more than three days? That's such a great question. Um, so it was actually the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which is so random. Nothing happened the night before. I was just, you know, home on the couch watching a movie with the family. It wasn't anything bad that occurred, but for some reason, I I didn't remember going to bed, and I was with my kids. Yep, 
<laughs> like what? Okay. In there. <laughs> Blacked out with my little kids. Like what the hell? Okay. So that How was How old one. were your kids at the time? So at the time, so two, so six, eight and nine. So, I mean, I like that was a regular occurrence at, at that point. You know, I was blacking out all the time. Always have been a, someone who blacks out since my days at Colby. But yeah, so I blacked out, woke up the next morning. Like, honestly, it was like one of those things where it just clicked. Yeah. And, I, and I've read that that happens. And the fact that I finally verbalized it, finally said it out loud to my husband, you know, because I had had these talks in my own mind a few times, like maybe I need to cut back, maybe I need to drink a little less. And that's when I would go a couple days and last until maybe Wednesday. And then I'd say, ah, fuck it. Like I deserve, I deserve this drink. Like my, my life is hard. Like this is, God, I have three little kids. Like this is really difficult. I deserve that glass of wine, you know? And then you're like, it's no big deal. I can just drink less. Like, you know, everybody drinks, whatever. Exactly. And it would last, my moderation would last a little bit, but I would always get right back into my awful pattern of, you know, heavy drinking. So this time was different because I think I voiced it out loud. Mm -hmm. I said it to my husband. I spoke it out loud, said it to myself. You know, I had yelled at my, I had moments in the mirror when nobody else was at home, when I would say, get it together. I cry and I would never actually admit to myself that I had a problem. But like I said, finally said something out loud to my husband and I asked him to help me. That was the turning point. That's a big moment. That, that was the moment. moment. That yeah. was the moment. And um, I, I told him, I said, we need to get rid of every single drop of alcohol in this house mm-hmm. because that I knew and he didn't know. Um, for me, like what I was doing by the end. And I, and if there was, we had this really old bottle of McAllen. Is that whiskey? I don't even know. And I knew that I would like drink that if I could, like if there was anything left in the house. So I was like, you need to even get rid of that. You need to get rid of that weird Kahlua stuff. And he was like, seriously, you would drink that? I'm like, yes, I would get rid of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And had he, wanted you to stop drinking before or like my husband just wanted me to cut back like he wanted me to get it together I'm not sure he ever thought he wanted me to stop drinking our husband sounded exactly the same yep he he used to say to me Kim why can't you just have one like, <laughs> what why did you have to have the whole bottle like why can't because he would go and have one beer and he wouldn't even finish it as we were leaving the table I would like finish his glass oh my god I've done that so many times um, and he, you know, the next day I would say, I, I don't understand why let's go out to dinner and just have one drink. And, and that was in the past year or two, we really, he's finally understood that like, I was just never able to, and yeah. it wasn't that I didn't want to, I just physically was, I, I wasn't able. And that's something that at the time he was very angry at me about. And he was angry that you didn't stop, that you, that you kind of always got drunk. Yep. That I couldn't have just one and he would get very frustrated with me. But now in retrospect, he's able to look back on that and say, yeah, you had a problem. And and he didn't realize that at the time. So he just, sobriety was never on the table for him. Like he never considered me getting sober. Like he never thought that was 
because we don't know anybody that doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that was me too. I literally did not know anyone who didn't drink and it was such a part of my identity. And it was also part of like, I protected it so fiercely. So when you woke your husband up, like he, my husband was probably annoyed at me getting drunk and passing out and not remembering shit or whatever it was, but he had no idea how worried I was about it because I would never, ever in my entire life tell him because I didn't want him to know. Yep. He had no idea how upset it made me and how much I was spiraling in those early mornings. And I remember, you know, I would lay there and watch him like peacefully asleep at like 4 a.m. And I would be so anxious and so upset. And it would, and I remember feeling like often very depressed at that time of day. And just like so envious that he could yeah. sleep. I'm like, oh, God, I don't get it, you know? Yeah. And little did he not, he know that I was in this like awful, crazy state. And then by the time he woke up at like, you know, six or seven, I'd be like, oh, how are you? And like acting totally normal, you know? Cause I, and I was able to hide it for so Cause many- you were like overcompensating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my husband would be like, how are you feeling this morning? And I'd be like, what? I'm fine. Cause oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was that too. What a there, dick yeah. to ask me how I'm feeling when I was passed out on the couch drunk as a skunk the night before. Like totally, totally. And yeah, I would overcompensate and play it off and get up and go to the gym to try to prove to him that I was fine or, you know, and oh uh, I just happened to be a person who could get drunk and pass out every night and black out and then still completely function. Like, you know. But, you know, that's how so many of our friends were. So yeah. he never, ever thought that, you know, sobriety, not drinking was an option. And um, I was so consumed and so worried about how it would be perceived by others. Yes. And I was so worried um, about how people would judge me for having a drinking problem. And that was my biggest worry in the mm-hmm. beginning how my what my friends would say and what others would say what people would say and it's it's actually so funny because now I am so open about it and I am like that sober mom in the town of Needham everybody knows me I like post on the Needham Facebook page I have a book coming out I have a podcast everybody knows me as like that's the sober mom and I love it I'm you love it it. you're not it yeah and I'm it's me and I and I want to take away the shame that people have. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is now all the people in your area, in college, in your community, they're like, oh, I know one person who used to drink a shitload and now doesn't. And she's happier. Like, I can't tell you how many people have like signed up for my course or emailed me or whatever on all sides of the, I was drinking super problematically too. I never had a real problem, but it was just totally disconnected to who I want to be, who have messaged me and been like, oh, I started following what you were doing. And I mean, people I used to work with, people I went to college with, people I worked out with my sober moms group. Like, it's just so awesome because like so many of us don't know anyone. Totally. I, that has been one of the most gratifying parts of it is you know, I started blogging on day one. So this is, a you know, I started writing and I didn't expect anybody to read it because I really was doing it to hold myself accountable. Another way to make sure that I didn't drink on day three. Yeah. Uh, uh, And I sent the blog 
as I sobbed through the entire, I wrote, I sat there and wrote and just cried. And then, and then emailed it to my husband to be like, all right, you need to be reading this. Wow, you are so, yeah, I need to hold myself accountable. I did not yeah. tell my husband shit until I was like over a hundred days sober about all the things. Wow. So I mean, well, he yeah. knew I wasn't drinking and he knew he needed to not buy me wine. And I told him I was on this no alcohol challenge. So I didn't want to like go to this brewery, but I did not tell him all my inner thoughts about like all the things. Oh, he, yeah. I was like an open book to him on like day one and I needed to be, I, I yeah. knew I needed to be to because I don't think I would have done it. And yeah, exactly. It's not for everybody. Like sometimes you just need to journal for yourself or not even journal. Sometimes you just need to be doing this process alone. Well, you know what? I actually, I had a sober coach and I wrote her every single day. Oh. I was a member of like these secret private Facebook groups. Well, so I remember, I I remember those people. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Like I had, I literally have a journal of like every single thing and thought and whatever I was saying in my first hundred days through emails to my coach. It's just, my husband wasn't that person, I guess. And that's, yeah. So I was on, so I was started journaling on day one or rather blogging and, oh, to follow up on my other point, but yeah. um, And to get messages from people saying they were started reading my blog and saying, I totally relate to what you're saying. And then all of a sudden the blog takes off months later and I'm connecting with people all over the world. And that's been really cool. What's the name but, of your blog? So it used to be a sober, no, a strong, yeah. Sober and strong mom. Hello. That's my Instagram handle, but I just changed it to KimberlyKerns.com. Yeah. But what's been so fun is also not just connecting with people all over the world, but, you know, people from Colby and people from high school saying, you know, I haven't stopped drinking Kim, but you really made me rethink my relationship with alcohol and kind of like the way I approach it. And that has been so, so neat. And, you know, I'm not telling everybody to stop drinking. I don't give a shit what people do. Yeah. I'm on my own path and you're on your own path. And if you are fixing your relationship with alcohol, great. If you are going to keep drinking, great. And a lot of people have said to me, you know, with my writing, with my blog, like, I really relate to your struggle, but I relate to it in terms of my addiction with exercise or my addiction yeah. with food. And yeah. I think everybody, you know, has a thing. Yes. That they worry about. Yeah. So you woke up, you were tired. It was 4am. You were like, I'm worried about this. If I keep drinking the way I usually drink between my birthday and the new year, it's going to be a shit show. It's not going to be good for anyone. For me, I can't do it. So what then you told your husband, you started blogging, you know, it's a couple weeks before Hanukkah, Christmas, all the things. How did you approach this? Your first, I mean, no alcohol in the house and being totally honest with your husband. What else did you tell your friends? Yeah. Well, I also asked Evan as my husband, I asked Evan to stop drinking with me. Mm -hmm. And because he has, like I said before, he does not have any problem with drinking. He could yeah. take it or leave it. And he was like, sure, let's be done with it. He's You're like, I don't need the luckiest ever. <laughs> Women listening to this are like, really? My husband would not <laughs> be cool with that. I know. I know. I, I am very lucky. And no, that's, that's awesome. He was able to just say, okay, let's in. So he did, he quit for six months, um, maybe uh, nine months. He quit for about nine months. 
And it wasn't until at nine months, I was literally like, you should have a beer at dinner with me. Like it was like, I was encouraging him to, and he's like, are you sure? Are you sure? So that was helpful in the beginning to know when we did go out with friends that he was like, he had your back. Yep. He had a seltzer. I had a seltzer. So that first day that we poured, we poured out all the wine, all the vodka, all the weird Kahluas and the whiskeys and all the stuff. Literally got rid of everything. I was like, oh, there's some beers in the back fridge. Like, I know that, like, I knew where everything was. Oh, yeah. And we got rid of it all. And then I called four girlfriends. I went on walks with a couple of them, cried my eyes out. My kids were like, what's wrong with mom? Like, they, we didn't tell, I didn't tell my kids for a little while, but they, I did tell them eventually. But that was really important for my, cause I have really close girlfriends and I value my friendship with my friends. And even though they all are pretty big drinkers, I felt like I needed them to also hold me accountable because we had these events coming up. We had parties, we had things going on. What did they say? And what did you say to them? So I said, it's like, everybody had a different response, as you can imagine, depending on almost their relationship with alcohol. Yeah. I, I feel like every single person's response is not about you and entirely about their own relationship with alcohol. 100%. So give me a cup, get people listening to this. So it's right after Thanksgiving, you were like completely honest. And I think that's interesting because there's so many different ways to approach this. Like I told everyone I wasn't drinking and like literally nothing more, including my best friends. I was like health kick, you know, yeah, but some so- people, yeah. So like you can do go any direction. Like I know some people say, I'm going to take a break and I'm just, I'm going to do, uh, you know, six weeks without alcohol and see how I feel. But you're getting real support. If you're honest, I just got it elsewhere. Right. (laughs) Like, and I did not, I I was doing the luckiest club and sober mom squad on, um, zoom. So you had found that you had found that before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I didn't find it before. I found it within the first 24 hours. Good for I, you. What'd you search? Like, what's the Google search term? I don't even remember. Um, like online mommy sober support. I, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so one of my friends that I told, she said, she's like, my brother is in AA. You should definitely do something. So she helped me do some of this research, I think. Um, she sent me another, uh, what was it called? It was some other, the something project starts with an A or no, starts with an H, whatever. I'll think of it. Um, so she, so I told these friends, one friend was like, I'm so proud of you. That was generally the consensus. Like I'm really proud of you. I'm really happy for you. Another friend was like, I've noticed that you're really skinny and that you're drinking too much. Like, cause by the end I was drinking so much and had lost a lot of weight and I was really malnourished, which, you know, some people say they're drinking so much and they've gained weight and they're heavy. Yeah. Like I literally was, drinking. I was the gain weight one. I gained like 40 pounds. I was drinking my meals and I wasn't eating healthy by the end. I was yeah. like, like so hungover. I couldn't eat. So yeah. then I drank to fix my hangover and then forget to eat meals. So I was like, so anyway, she was like, yeah, I've been worried about your weight. And then like really her concern was in, it was just funny how people's concerns were very different and focused on different 
Did anyone say anything when you told them that like really annoyed you or rubbed you the wrong way? Uh, no, I mean, not really. Not, not that like rubbed me the wrong way, but you know, I think in general, um, I chose to tell people in the beginning that I knew would be supportive. Okay. That's super smart. Yes. That I knew wouldn't be super judgmental. And, you know, I chose the time to tell family members way later and, you know, the people that I was really worried about making those kinds of comments. So I remember telling my very best friend when I was, I mean, we were roommates when we were 15 in boarding school and she still lives very close to me. And, you know, we're godparents to each other's kids. And so she's known me since before I stopped drinking. And like the entire, I mean, I used to pass out at the dinner table at dinner parties with her, her husband and my husband, you know, like, yeah, pass out. I was very tired. I just needed to close my eyes. My life was really hard, apparently. No, but <laughs> I, I remember going away with her, like for a 4th of July weekend, and we went on a hike. And I was like, I don't even know who I am without drinking. And she looked at me and like, it made me cry. She's like, I feel like I've finally gotten my best friend back. And I was just like, oh my God, you know? (sighs) Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. One of my very best friends from Colby, who I asked to come over that day, she sat down on my front porch and I told her, I was like, I'm really scared, but I really need you. And I need to stop drinking and I need your support. And she was like, a hundred percent. I got you. And this is a girl who has been there with me since we were 18 blacking out, you know, um, who's yeah. Like drank heavily with me for a long time, but she was able to taper it, taper off and not go down the road. I went down (laughs) as an adult, you know, like she knew how to not, Oh my God. I, I always used to say to my husband, like, you knew who you married. And he was like, I kind of thought you'd grow out of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Right. So um, this is interesting because like when you're approaching the holiday season, you were so new, which is both incredibly hard, right? Cause you're going through those first two weeks of withdrawal and that like literal physical sadness and mourning and irritability and sensitivity and you know, that, and I mean, your first month of sobriety is really hard, like physically, you know, and mentally and emotionally, whereas I stopped drinking mid-February. So by the time the first holiday season rolled around for me, I was more in the like, I got this, like I'd been to Italy, I'd gone through my birthday, I'd gone through my first hundred days, I told everyone I was stopping for six months, like, by the point the holidays rolled around, I was pretty solid in nobody thought I was going to drink. I'd gone to dinner. I'd gone to dinner parties. I'd had holidays. So we were in such different places. And I think that one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation is to be like, it's my first holiday season was surprisingly difficult for me at different moments. And I did not expect it to be. I expected it to be like, I'm good. It's no problem. And you were in such an early time. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I know so many women listening to this probably feel like you did and want to stop drinking or maybe nobody wants to stop drinking, but they're like, fuck, I got to stop drinking. 
But then they're like, it's impossible. It's too hard. I'll never make it anyway. I don't want to be going through withdrawal during the holiday season. And I don't want to bubble up and not go to drinking events when all these friends and families are doing these awesome things. So I'll just wait till January. And and one thing I think about that is you are depriving yourself from a really, really, really magical time with no headaches and hangovers and guilt and shame and regret. Yes. hundred percent. Thank you. That is such a great point. And yes, you are um, dealing with a little bit of withdrawal. And for me, yeah, it was a little bit and I didn't have to go to the hospital or do anything like that. Thank goodness. And emotionally, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster. I'm so grateful that I had, you know, one more Christmas sober with them. I mean, I didn't wait those couple weeks to do it after because I, I have so many Christmases that were wasted being really hung over on the couch while they open gifts. We started drinking mimosas, you know, at 9am and the days were often wasted. Yeah. And I, I hate thinking about those, but you know, I forced myself to move through that shame and forgive myself yeah. because I will never do that again. And I'm really happy that I had 2020 Christmas to be present while they opened their presents. And oh that God. was the best gift that I could have given them that year. And don't wait, don't wait till 2023. It's yeah, because it, that, that short, it's like a short term buzz that you get for your 20 minutes. That's fun at the beginning of the holiday party. And then you are, and you're hungover for the entire holiday. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I decided to stop drinking, therapy was a big part of my sober toolbox. It wasn't just about saying no to opening a bottle of wine. Once I stopped drinking, I had to deal with everything in my life that alcohol helped me push down. And with my therapist, I was able to better understand how my relationships with my husband and kids, my bosses and friends needed to shift to support my sobriety. If you're thinking of starting therapy as part of your journey, BetterHelp is the way to go. It's all online. It's convenient and flexible. It's tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Therapy can help you become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday and score 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H E L P dot com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. Yeah, I what I was going to say is when you were saying it's just the 20 minute high for all the other stuff that goes with it. When women are approaching the holiday season and not drinking, I think it is really important to get honest about the highlights and the lowlights because And that it'll help you during the time, because I think it's disingenuous to say you stop drinking and everything is amazing and you don't miss out on anything and every single thing is better than it was because your mind's going to be like, wait, actually, I did really enjoy this and I did really enjoy that. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, I mean, I remember my first 
Christmas Eve not drinking and whole nother story about that, that I can tell later if I want to, but um, if we have time, but I was like, this kind of sucks to sit around at dinner while my mom and my husband are drinking red wine, my favorite. And I'm not, which by the way, after that night, which was totally torture, I was like, fuck that. No red wine for you. Deal with it. <laughs> like I was like, that was a big mistake, but I'm also split screen, right? Earlier Christmas Eve's, like you said, I mean, I remember one particularly bad one that by the way, was not my bottom, you know, quote unquote, I did not stop where I drank so much on Christmas Eve. And this is probably just drinking while cooking, drinking at dinner, drinking, doing whatever. There was no big party. It was my, my kids, my husband and my mother at my house that I don't remember going to bed. My husband could not wake me up. I was basically passed out on Christmas Eve. He could not wake me up so that when my kids and they were super young, like, you know, one and one and seven, maybe going down to get the stockings, I like open my eyes, you know, the one eye open, the pounding headache, the feeling like something died in your mouth. And I had not filled the Christmas stockings. So I had been, of course, you know, as moms, you collect all the presents all year and you hide them so that your kids don't find them. Well, the thing was, I had completely passed out and my husband didn't know where they were. So I came downstairs. My stocking was full because he'd done mine, which, by the way, was like the worst thing that could have happened. Right. Because it was like, you know, dagger through my heart. My husband's stocking was completely empty. Because I filled it. The kids' stockings were like sort of a quarter full, you know? And I had all these presents hidden away that I couldn't get because everybody was up and just brutally hungover, so hungover and shaky and feeling like garbage and just emotionally wrecked. And the worst part was just thinking about my husband on Christmas Eve trying to wake me up and being unable to and being like, wow. She got so drunk that like, I don't have the presents for the kids stockings, right? So every time you're like, oh my God, but I'm going to miss out on the toast at this time. It's like, yes. And you're also, I mean, I can't tell you how amazing Christmas morning is when the kids start running into our rooms and I am fine. And I go downstairs and get the coffee and like, Christmas looks great. And yes, I didn't have the glass of wine or bottle. Let's be real the night before. But I also ate the cookies and drank the milk and I'm proud, you know? Yeah. And and you know that you you remember that you took the bite of the cookie and that you ate the carrot and that you remember that you yeah. drank drank the milk and you did these things rather than waking up with that paranoid feeling of like, oh, did I move the elf? Like I don't know if you still if you do the elf, but like I would you know, freak the fuck out. Like, oh my God, did I move the elf? And then I'd run downstairs and then the elf would be dangling from the chandelier. I'm like, I don't even fucking know. I'm that. <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'm and at the it. time you were probably like hysterically, like I am yeah. the mom ever. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. So much fun doing it. You know, like, let me take a picture. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, yes, I, uh, I agree. I, I did actually something very similar with, um, Easter. I forgot to, um, do the Easter hide the little mini eggs yeah. that we, that, that's part of our tradition is like hiding them in a certain 
area of the house. And I completely forgot to do that. And yeah, there was no way to fix that once the kids were up. Right. I couldn't. Oh my God. I did that on, I did that on St. Patty's day where my son was five and he was building this huge leprechaun trap. He built it at school. And you know, they're supposed to like, they're the gold coins in there. And in theory in the morning, the gold coins are gone. Well, I, my husband was out of town. I got drunk. I don't, after putting my son to, to bed, of course, I'm alone with him in the home, whatever. Yeah. You know, we're safe at home. Anyway, I'm kidding. Passed out. He came into my room crying hysterically as only little five-year-olds can because the leprechaun hadn't come. And yeah. I was like hung over and my eyes were bloodshot and I felt brutally just so bad. Like I was the worst mother ever. And I was trying to play it off. Like, oh, he must have been caught at another house, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And like, I even remember went into his daycare before school care and they had, you know, the little leprechaun feet all over the place and like the little trails. And I was like, thank God for them. But then I also like made a joke out of it and posted on social, like hashtag mom fail. And I mean, looking back, it was so sad, you know, just the emotional energy I spent on it. Yeah. And you were trying to, that was your way of dealing with it. And, you know, and I, I totally have, I think back to the way I probably managed all of that as well. And, um, the thing is we, that's what we did. Like my friends and I laughed about it and that's how we, that's how we made ourselves feel better. And, um, you know, on holidays in the past, that's, I would get together with other families and we would drink pretty heavily on Christmas day. And that's what, that's how all the families behaved. And so that's often how I didn't question it in the yeah. past. And yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's fun. Worried. It's a joke. It's accepted. Yeah. It's so you're going in. So your first Hanukkah, you've got your husband's support. You've got your best friend's support. You found yeah. the luckiest club. You found the sober mom squad, right? You're like doing all the things what were you worried about in terms of these events? Was it family? Was it the actual dinners or what? Uh, yeah, you know, it was not family. It was um, friends. It was other friends. Um, I had a couple close friends that understood and knew. It was, you know, the larger friend group. Yeah. And it was the spouses of my friends making fun of me. And you were worried uh, about them making fun of you or they yeah, did like, oh, you know, cause no worried about them making fun of me because my persona was like, you know, fun time party girl, like, yeah. you know, like always bringing the, you know, extra bottle of wine and first one to crack the wine, the last one to leave the party, you know? Oh my God. My girlfriend who still drinks and she is, she is awesome and um whatever, but it was our joke. Cause she used to always like, we'd make mimosas and she'd be like, orange juice, just a splash for color. AKA yeah. do not give me like, that was just for color. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 so that, that's like all, all I knew of myself and that's what I worried that people knew of me. Yeah. So um I was really I didn't know what to, um, how people were going to perceive me and how people were going to look at me. So how I tackled that was, I told my husband, we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. We're not going, you know, I just removed myself from any situation where I would feel uncomfortable. Um, and 
to somebody who's considering not drinking right now, um, that you may be thinking, that sounds awful. That sounds horrible. Like just, you know, not going to any parties, like that's, that's not fun. Um, but it was self-preservation and I had to do that. And because I, I really did finally feel like I needed to stop drinking. And, you know, there was that thing I said inside me that just clicked. Unfortunately, I, I was so concerned with how others perceived me at the time that that's what I needed to do. But so you skipped a lot of those parties. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's hard. Like someone even was was writing something the other day saying, I'm on day four, haven't been on day four forever. I have a happy hour tomorrow night. I signed up for it before I like quit drinking. I think I'll be fine. And I was like, don't go, man, don't go. That's impossible. Like, why would you you go to all the happy hours a month from now or whenever? Just take take away all those temptations. Like, just don't put yourself in those situations. I, I didn't. I hunkered down. You know, I did everything that they... Tell you, tell you to do, to do. You know, take your baths at night and, you know, at the five o'clock hour when the wine witch starts to call, you know, I would change my routine and I would go for a walk or I'd get on the Peloton or do something totally yeah. different that I wouldn't normally do when I was, I, I used to love to drink wine while I was cooking dinner at night. And I had to do, I just had to keep changing my routines to break that habit. Yes. So you know, I loved listening to the Neil Diamond Christmas album mm-hmm. and drinking wine during the month of December. Like literally my husband would hear Neil Diamond. He's like, oh, the wine's out. I know it. You know, it's like, so I couldn't listen to Neil Diamond Christmas music. Yeah. I had to. So when I was prepping dinner, I would like do something totally different. I would put a podcast in or I would like chop vegetables sitting down at the kitchen table, which is something I would never do. You know, I would just, yeah. it's like, they say there's something to that with your brain, like breaking up, I don't know, the, yeah. you, know the brain, you know, and it's, you know, rewiring. Yeah. Uh, so that's what yeah. I had to do. And part of that was not going to these same Christmas parties at so-and-so's house. And, and what did you say to them? Brunch at this person's house. I, my husband dealt with some of it. Really? God, your husband's great. (laughs) You know, he said, you know, he told them why. And eventually people just got it and knew. um, He just said she's, she's not drinking. So we're not coming kind of thing. Yep. And it's funny how some people we haven't spoken to since then. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just some, some friends are really were there and around and in our lives because of alcohol. And, yeah. And, you know, yeah. friendships really changed because I don't drink anymore. And <laughs> a season, a reason of, or a lifetime. The reason yeah. why we like to drink together. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, no, that's good. I mean, I think that. I love the strategies you're sharing. If you're like super new in sobriety, if you're like, I'm doing this and I need to just stay away from these things in order to not drink on day four or day seven or day 14 or day 30. Um, I think that if someone's listening to this and it's, you know, this is coming out on November 10th, 
it's a couple weeks to Thanksgiving. It's a couple yeah. weeks to Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's. Um, another thing you can think about is what I did, which was really looking, you know, at the season. And I have to say, if, if you're, um, in my sobriety starter kit course, I have a whole mini course on the holidays. A good thing to do is to try to think about the holidays in a new way to literally go out and there's a worksheet you can do, but just how do I want to feel this season? You know, is it cozy, safe, loved, active, peaceful, God knows what, whatever it is for you. Um, What do I love about the season? What are the things that truly, when I think about them, I'm like, I love this. And by the way, if that is a big drinking event, just get honest. Like, I love this, but it probably is other things as well. Um, who do I want to see and what do I want to do? Like, who do I want to spend time with? And then what is triggering to me? Like, what is hard to get through without drinking? And once you lay that out, you can really proactively shift things in your life. So what's interesting is one of the things I really didn't like about the holiday and I just didn't like it. It sucked was flying to my mother's or my sister's for Thanksgiving. Like my mom lives in DC. My sister lives in Ohio. My mom lives in the house I grew up in. It's really small. It's really cramped. It's really cluttered. She hopefully will not listen to this. She's no, she's a pack rat. Uh, (laughs) No, moving on. Um, (laughs) Occasionally I'm doing podcasts. Do you do this? And you're like, oh shit. Did I say that out loud? Um, you're like, I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> yes. Thank God we have so many podcasts now. I'm like, she would never have the time. Um, no, but it, so it was just like, I would have to take a red eye with my family for to DC. My sister, my mother, everybody would be there. We would be packed into this like little guest bedroom on a futon with like all the papers shoved to the side. And then I would drink. Because I just, you know, I go home and I turn into my 13-year-old self with every slight from my mother and my sister and all that, and then fly back on Sunday. And every, my husband didn't like it. It cost us like four grand, you know, all this stuff. And so I was like, I I hate this, you know, in my own mind. I did not say that to my family. But what I did say is like, hey, you know what? It is really incredibly hard for us to come home over this weekend Um, I know it means a lot to you, but I'm hoping that we can shift that tradition to Christmas and come to our house. And, you know, I blamed my husband's school schedule. I blamed my work schedule. I worked in e-commerce. I blamed what the money, whatever. And we stopped going. And my Thanksgiving now is my favorite. It's just my little nuclear family. We do, we go into Seattle when it's deserted. We go to the aquarium or on the great wheel. We eat like sort of the dinner out, the lunch dinner at this place where they serve a full turkey dinner and then they give you all the leftovers in like plastic bag. And then we're like in our pajamas by 6 p.m. watching football. Like it is my, and we get go get Christmas trees the very next morning at this farm. Like that weekend is my favorite. None of it is centered around airports, alcohol, my house I grew up in. And me drinking to just like go internally to my happy place, you know? It's not triggering. I know. I was going to say that um, if you have a memory like that, or if you have a part of your holiday that's sort of triggering or upsetting to you, like create new memories. You need to 
not do that thing, not get on the airplane, not go home, do something totally different. Um, for me, it's that week in between Christmas and New Year's that I feel like it was like yeah. a black hole. And don't you feel like that's like an awful week? I hated that week. And I would do <laughs> so much during that week because my kids are home and my husband never had the week off. So I was home alone with them and I would just be drunk and hungover all week. And we would go, other friends would be home. So we would just be like hanging out at people's houses in the evening. And the kids would be playing Xbox in the basement. And I would just be like drinking wine with the moms in the kitchen. And it would just be gross. And mm-hmm. By New Year's, I'd be feeling awful. So I said to my husband, I was like, we need to go away. Like, we need to do something during that week. You nice. know? Um, I don't think we did last year, but, but my kid, my kids are ice hockey players, so it's like really hard to get away during their hockey season. But um, you know, we tried to do day trips and do different things. Yeah. Um, you know, la- the, that first Christmas, actually, we went down to Patriots Place um, in Foxborough where the Patriots play. Um, you know, we're outside of Boston and we went and did this, drove through this whole lights, um, outdoor Christmas lights show. And that was, you know, it's like set to music or whatever. Um, we tried to start new little traditions like that. And, um, hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, It's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course. You know, for me, it was like, what what is one of my favorite things about Christmas? Like driving around looking at Christmas lights, like great that's going to be like a new tradition. So we started doing that, like driving around town, looking at Christmas lights, um, trying to do new things that yeah. were sober with the kids. Yeah. And that's, you know, like instead of sitting at home, drinking wine, watching Christmas movies, which, yes. you know, we used to do or 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I love that too. I did the same thing for New Year's. I mean, obviously New Year's is a big one. And, you know, once you have kids, you're not like in your early twenties going out to the giant parties. I used to go to those in Boston too, because all my friends lived there after college. But, um, so for New Year's, my favorite thing, you know, in terms of that week. So we do a couple things that I, you know, again, like, what do you love? Who do you want to spend time with? What do you enjoy doing? So on New Year's Eve, my, my, my husband's mother is usually in town. Our mothers sort of overlap. Mom does Christmas. Linda does New Year's and they mix in the middle. And we do a couple different things. Like one, my mom reads tarot cards. And so she like reads everyone's tarot cards in the house and gives us our readings for the new year. That's so fun. I know. Weirdly, right before I quit drinking, she gave me like, I quit in February, New Year's right around there. She gave me a tarot card reading. And obviously I was super, super worried about my drinking. And it was so bad. Like it was like warning, 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 like in my mind. And I was like, fuck, this is, you know, she asked you your central question. And I'm pretty sure my central question was like, shit, what about my drinking? And then it was so bad. And I was so scared. I was like, you have to do it again. Like, Ah. nope, I don't accept this reading, you know, and so she did it again. And it was like, maybe not quite so bad, but still scared me. And so that in the back of my mind, that was had, like, I've never had my tarot cards read. Is that I was just it? like, shit, I gotta, I gotta stop drinking. But so she reads our tarot cards. Usually now they're nice. Um, we do, um, flying wish paper, which you can order off Amazon. They're my favorite. It's like 15 bucks and you get all these little tissue papers. And so each one of us gets three and then we have three for like the universe and we each get to write down three wishes. Like, including my young daughter, including my son, my mother-in-law, whatever. Then you ball them up, you turn off all the lights, you put it on a piece of paper and you light them. And they all go kind of up into the air and my kids catch them in the air in a cup. But like you all talk about your wishes for the new year and then you light them and you let them go up. And, it, you know, we have groovy Prosecco and like that's amazing. And I make vision boards every New Year's Eve. And my son somehow likes a birthday cake on New Year's Eve for the new year. So like we have That's all so these cute. That I are love so that. fun. Yeah. You know? That's so cool. We last year made family bracelets. We got like a bracelet making kit where in everybody had to um choose a word of in, like a oh, word. I love and that. Yeah. And my kids all so we had like talks about what do you want to work on this year? Like goals instead of, you know, New Year's resolutions. It was like yeah. intention for the new year. And like my middle son, who was like having, you know, like issues with like patience, he, you know, he chose the word like patience or something like it was really, um, it was great. So what was your word? My word was observe because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, um, yeah, more observant of in less judgment, like less worried about people being judgmental of me. And I wanted to be more observant of, yeah, in in present, present in the moment. Yeah. And, And I feel like. So we all wore our bracelets pretty consistently for a while there. We don't wear them. I don't have it on anymore. But um, yeah, it 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 was a it was just a fun tradition, you know, yeah. just like it, you know, like like you said, yeah, you know, that of the party, yeah, know? and like you're not getting drunk, but you yeah. also are like doing flying wish paper and bracelets. And I gotta tell you, a birthday cake is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> and we uh-huh. like decorated it all, and you know, it, you can have a ton of fun 
without drinking. And your family probably will be less annoying to you, shockingly, if you're not drinking than if you are. And I think that like one of the things I really encourage people to do is to like actually find joy in the food and drinks that aren't alcohol, like hot chocolate bar with like peppermint and, and marshmallows, like go back to the things that you're like, this is really good from when I'm a kid or all the non-alcoholic drinks. Like don't sit around with a glass of like tap water while everyone else is toasting. That's just going to suck. Yeah. Find a fun drink and take advantage of, yeah, the mocktails. And if you are at a uh, holiday party, seek out the bartender and ask, ask them to make something fun. I've, I've done that before and say, I want a mocktail and can you, can you do something cool and different? And they'll say, what flavors do you like? Or what do you not like? And they'll say, I like this whole discussion. Yeah. And, and it's fun. And that they love it because they're like, Oh, I get to create something. That's what's so fun. And they're like, okay, so you don't like ginger. You like lemon. Okay. All right. I love talking to bartenders. Like I'm always like, don't ask the 19 year old waiter or waitress because they have no idea. I mean, you can be like, Hey, I always just go in and I'm like, Hey, I, I actually don't drink alcohol. So what really fun things do you have to drink that are non-alcoholic? And What's your favorite mocktail to make? Me? No. Oh, ask them, no, you the say that. Like, yeah, say that I, I love ordering non-alcoholic mojitos. That is like my go-to. Like they do the muddled raspberry shit. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I mojito for me is a. I don't like anything that reminds me too much of my drinking days. So yeah. I'll just like like kind of fruity. But, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think I'm, I'm always like. Focus on the desserts and, you know, especially in early sobriety, if you are having to go out and forced to go to those parties that maybe you're kind of reluctant to go to, um, yeah, get a mocktail, but also like go check out the desserts because, you know, you're not drinking. So have a little sweet treat. And yeah, Yeah. I would say a couple of things. So if you are going to parties, um, have a wing person, which you totally mm-hmm. did. You had your husband have someone there who knows you're not drinking. If more than one person knows, the better. Um, I always text people in advance. I was whether say text. yep. texting, texting is so good because you can keep it cash. Like if someone's coming to my house, I'm always like, yeah. And this was before everybody knew I was like out as I don't drink, but I'd be like, hey, by the way, super excited for you guys to come. Um, we're gonna have X food, whatever, non-alcoholic beverages, et cetera. If you want anything else to eat or drink, feel free to bring it, right? So I'm stating that we're basically very casually, we're not having wine on hand, BYOB. Or if I'm going to someone's house, I'm always like, by the way, I'm not drinking right now. I'm on a health kick or whatever, or no alcohol challenge. Um, so excited to see you. I'll bring my own beverages. You know, like, so you're just like, I'm putting it out there so that they're, because what you don't want is that deer in the headlights look of like, oh, do you want wine or beer? And everybody's around you and you're like, oh, actually, no, I'll have X. And either they ask you why, or they're like, really? Or, and then you have like all these eyes on you. But if you tell them in advance, they're like, you know, either they'll be like, oh, what's up with this health kick? Or, you know, but you're not like, you're not the deer in the headlights, like that freeze moment. Right. Totally. I think, um, two things. I think if you're hosting hundred percent, you can, you have every right to say, 
uh, like we're not drinking right now. Feel free, like you can tell people they can bring their own and then just like have them take it when they leave. I'm always like, by the way, I'm not drinking. Why don't you take this with you? I'm not going to drink this. Take this with you. Trust me, if you, I was a big drinker. So I honestly used to be such a jerk that like if I bought two two bottles of wine and they're just sitting on the table, I'm like, can I take those? Is that weird? I bought them, you know, like literally this is my narrative. Why aren't they opening these? Why aren't we drinking them? Yeah, totally. Can Um, I take them home? Because I could use another (laughs) bottle tonight, right? (laughs) Totally. Like I only have one left at home. I need that second one. Um, Yeah. So I would say 100% it's fine to tell people to bring their own. Well, the one thing I also wanted to mention, because I had a client who was going to like her mom's. 70th birthday party. It was like a girl's weekend. They were all going to wine country and she was like three weeks sober, right? Nightmare, 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 nightmare. She made it through. She felt really good. It wasn't easy, but it was good. The one thing though, that I highly recommended that she not do, which was of course, everyone's first suggestion was like, oh, that's okay. You can be our designated driver. And it's like, absolutely not. Like that is a hard no. Because what that makes you do is stay to the end. And what that makes you hang around with drunk people while they're drinking until they're done, right? And you're as opposed, you know, I was like, well, what did everybody do when you were drinking? She's like, oh, we hired a shuttle. I was like, fucking tell them to hire a damn shuttle. Like you are not hanging out at wineries for six hours while they wine taste so you can drive them around. Like, and so instead she like went for a hike that day. She had a lovely lunch by herself and she met them for dinner. Like, so if you're going to a holiday party, do bring your own car or get an Uber or tell the host that you might leave early, use the kids as an excuse. It is okay if your spouse or girlfriend wants to stay there later, you can drive home and they can take an Uber home. But like, do not promise to shepherd drunk people home from a night of boozing. Yeah. Oh my God. There's nothing worse than that. I, I, um, I love leaving early (laughs) and, and, and there's always that time, that point where you see everybody's eyes start to change and the conversation starts to become repetitive and everyone's, and then you're like, Oh, everyone's drunk. Okay. I'm going to go home now. And you know, you won't be missed because they're in the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and you want to get the hell out of there, but yeah. And to, oh, I remember what I was going to say. So when you are in those moments where somebody says to you, oh, why aren't you drinking? And like all eyes, it's like record scratch. Like everyone's looking at you and all eyes are in you. Like you also don't have to give a response. You just be like, I I don't feel like it. You know, you don't owe anybody anything. No. um, Until you're comfortable to talk about it. And for me, I was really... Like I had said, I wanted to tell people very early on, started blogging. I started putting it out there because I needed to hold myself accountable. Um, I, I know people that, you know, like you said, you didn't talk to your husband about it for until you said a hundred days. And so I think you definitely should go into the night though, with an idea of what you want to talk to people about, because you, you who knows, like drunk you people. You need to have or, that response. That yeah, can response. Have, yeah. Because drunk drunk people will definitely be like, why why aren't you drinking? Oh my god, yeah. she's not drinking. Get her a drink. This is so good. Yeah. Like, I had a client whose mother in law she told her she wasn't drinking, and spent the entire night like 
telling her how good the wine is and basically pushing the wine glass into her hand saying, here, have a sip. And you're like, what the actual fuck? You know, like, that's ridiculous. But another um, client of mine was saying that she, you know, told some girlfriends she always drank with, you know, neighborhood people that she wasn't drinking when she showed up. And they were like, oh, that sucks. Why not? Not even one, you know, whatever. And I was like, why didn't you position that right when you walked in as saying like, yeah, I'm not drinking right now. And oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm sleeping better. I feel better than like apologizing. I've been running every day. I mean, that the way that people react is a lot about how you position it too. Like they, it's hard to be like, oh my God, that sucks. When you just said you feel amazing. Yeah. You know, oh, that's Actually, that reminds me of one time when I tried to moderate or or I had had like a really bad drunken weekend. So I took like two weeks off to try to prove to my husband that like I could. And I was drinking at a friend's house with like a girl's night. And one of my girlfriends was like, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to take some time off. I just like it was a really bad weekend last weekend. So I was like feeling sorry for myself and everyone was kind of feeling sorry for me. And she was like, do you want us to go drink in there? Should we drink around? Should we not drink around you? Like, like. I, I couldn't be like in the same room with it, you know, it, yeah. it, that was, and that was like a year before I officially quit, but you know, it's like, you're absolutely right. If you own it and you're like, yeah, I'm not drinking because I'm on a health kick or I'm not, I'm taking the night off. Like I don't need to or drink. Tonight. I feel yeah. better or, yeah. you know, but like in a way where you're not, you're not feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. You know what? Even if you do feel sorry for yourself, try it out, right? Like, you know, still see what the reaction is. Because usually when I tell people that I'm doing a no alcohol challenge or I'm not drinking because I want to sleep better and have more energy and XYZ is a health kick, they immediately start talking about their own health kicks, right? They might say, I could never do that. Or, oh my God, I need to do that. Or, you know well, you know, everything in moderation or whatever it is people say, but a lot of people will be like, oh my God, yes, I am going to cut out dairy or gluten or, you know, get a Peloton or whatever, you know, who cares? Everybody wants to talk about themselves. So it very quickly shifts to their thing, but without threatening them, right? Like without being like, oh yeah, alcohol is terrible for you, you know, which it is, (laughs) but- people will try to argue with you on that point yes yeah people it's true everyone always makes it about themselves you know yes it's all it always comes back to you um but yeah i mean it's hard to find that confidence in the beginning to to tell people that you feel good and that things are actually better without it and you know even after a week it's hard to feel that kind of confidence and it took me a really long time to to talk about it confidently i have to say um so yeah, hopefully um, you can find that strength to at least talk about it confidently with those people in your life yeah. that matter. And um, if you find that people are judging you and and not being kind to you about it, then I mean that speaks more to their issue with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and it's okay if you are tender and more tender than you would normally be. Um, you know, I mean, I always tell everyone, like, just expect in your first couple weeks, like, you are going to be irritated, sensitive, overwhelmed, annoyed, maybe even rageful. 
I felt a lot of rage. You know, it's just you've been numb and all these things are bubbling up to the surface and your emotional sort of stability is all over the place because of alcohol and the withdrawal of alcohol from your system. But it also like the holidays just bring up a lot of stuff and that's okay. Like you can get through it. I mean, I remember my first Christmas Eve, I'd gone to a dinner party with my mom and, you know, my mom was with us with my mom and my family at a friend's house and we were driving home and my son was like eight years old, you know, and he was saying he was in that age. He's like oh, talking about Santa and, you know, oh, mom, do you think you've been good this year? You know, whatever it is, eight year olds talk about. And I was driving because I wasn't drinking <laughs> and I was in the driver's seat and I was like, yeah, Hank, I actually do really think I've been good this year. Like I've made a lot of changes that were hard, but I'm really proud of myself, blah, blah, blah. And we're driving along the highway. It's dark. And out of nowhere, my mom pipes up from the back seat, like literally interrupting the conversation and says, well, I wouldn't give yourself too much credit. And like the entire car goes silent. And I'm thinking like, I was so taken aback because in my mind, I was so clearly talking to my son about quitting drinking. Like there was, yeah. in my mind, that's what the conversation was. Yeah. And yeah. for her to like interrupt and being like, dude, why are you getting so full of yourself? Like yeah. on this thing that had tortured me for 10 years, you know? Yeah. And it was yeah. like this stunned silence. And then my husband jumped in finally. Of course, I'm sure it was very quickly. It felt like hours. Yeah. Like well, actually, I think Casey should be proud of herself. She's done a really hard thing and it's been a really good year. And of course, I came home and it's Christmas Eve and I went up to my bedroom and I started crying. Like yeah. I was just so hurt and overwhelmed and like, I'm sure it brought up all this shit from childhood and like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. And, you yeah. know, whatever. And then I came down and we read the night before Christmas and I had my cookies and like I was hurt and tender and whatever. But like for once, I wasn't mad at myself. You know what yeah. I mean? I wasn't like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get your shit together. You're the worst mom ever. Like it was like you're feeling all the emotions. But I feel like sometimes when we drink it so that we suppress like the very valid hurt, resentment, annoyance that we have for other people and then we just turn it internally. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I did for 20 years. I drank yeah. because I had so many thoughts, feelings, um, emotions. I numbed myself from feeling so many, so much, which is what I, I write about in my book. It's like, I finally in the last two years with the help of my therapist started to finally process and go and realize that. I was drinking and it's funny when you said angry, mad, my therapist was like in the first month of my spreadie, she's like, I think you're kind of mad. I think you're angry. I'm like, I'm not mad. What are you talking about? I'm not mad. And then I realized, yeah, I was really fucking mad. And I, what were you mad about? Oh, I was just mad at my parents, my, you know, like everything, like life, like everything that has yeah. happened to me. Um, and you got to read my book to find out. <laughs> I will. I will. So wait, tell us what the name of your book is. It's On the Edge of Shattered. It comes out on November 1st. Um, yeah, so it's it's a braided narrative. It tells the story of, you know, day one, starts out on day one of my sobriety. And it goes through the holidays and um, 
but it also, it's a braided narrative in the sense that it goes back and talks about my childhood and Mm -hmm. some stories of um, things that happened to me in my past that I realized would have contributed to my drinking habits. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories about Colby in there, stories about drinking in high school. Um, Yeah. And things that kind of played into um, and contributed. Yeah. To. Yeah. Well, send me the link. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. And of course, I'm totally curious because I know Colby really well. And I told you that one of my best friends from high school went to Colby. So I have a feeling that it'll all sound very familiar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is, so I'm not Jewish. I don't celebrate Hanukkah, but I know your husband does. So are there any events? I know it, you know, it's eight nights, but like, are there any specific drinking events around there that are difficult to navigate or that you've shifted what you do now versus before when you were drinking? Um, you know, we do, we light the candles every night. Um, and it's not that big of a holiday. I think Rosh Hashanah is yeah. a, a little bit bigger. And, you know, the, when you break the fast and Yom Kippur and those holidays, um, he, we don't, um, I want to say that like, he probably celebrated more when he was a child. We don't really celebrate these holidays. Um, and I think his parents would like it if we did celebrate them a little more. Uh, the kids love lighting the candles because on Hanukkah, because they get a present every night. Um, but it's not as big of a drinking occasion. Oh, it's not. It's Right. Or for in that religion, I would say um, they celebrate, um, if you will, like on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So, yeah, it wouldn't really there was never anything like celebratory in terms of drinking. Okay. For me, I was like, whoa, yeah, we're lighting candles. Let's drink some wine. You know, like <laughs> I, it was always a reason to drink for me. But yeah, no, it wasn't very hard or triggering. Um, every night that first season was difficult for me. Just simply having Christmas lights on, yes. having the menorah out. Was, no Neil Diamond. No Neil Diamond was very triggering because it's just that the festive feeling of that time of year just really yeah. reminded me of, yeah, my red wine and sitting in front of the fire. Um, so in terms of Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's and just that time of year, I think it's, again, like creating... <laughs> those new memories. And yeah, we still, we still have to light the the Hanukkah candles. We still, we still set up the Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. And, you know, these, there are things and memories that are hard because especially that day of setting up the Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving, because, you know, that's a hard memory for me. Um, That was the day after or the, d- the day after that was the day I stopped drinking. So it's okay. all just sort of like, you know, yeah. there's a lot there. Um, but yeah, doing yeah. those things with a new fresh frame of mind, I yeah. think. And um, one of the things I think really helps is to not just, I mean, we all look back and we romanticize drinking, especially when you think about those times, right? Decorating the Christmas tree with wine in your hand or sitting by the fire or whatever it is it really helps to start romanticizing sobriety. And that can be everything from, oh my gosh, sitting by the fire with hot chocolate or going snowshoeing with girlfriends and no hangover or, you know, um, 
getting up in the morning when the house is quiet and turning on the tree and having coffee. I was about to say that. So I used to stay up super late with wine. Yes. By the Christmas lights. Now, instead, it would be getting up really early in the morning with coffee in my book and sitting with the Christmas lights when the house is quiet. It's so lovely. It's so so lovely. So like when you're going through of like, what do I love about the season? Who do I want to spend time with? What do I want to do? And then what's hard for me? If you're like, I love the Christmas tree. I love reading by the Christmas tree. It is really hard for me to do it at night. Then that gives you information, right? Then you're like, okay, how can I have the thing I love in a way that is not hard for me to do without drinking and just shift things a little bit, get a little creative because the season is still lovely. Exactly. Exactly. So true. Well, thank you so much for being here. I love talking with you. I love talking with you on your podcast, The Weekend Sober. Um, I'm so glad we met. I feel like our stories are so similar. And I know so many women listening to this, like, have the same story, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I'm i so glad that we met. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having me on here. It's been fun. Yeah, and so how do people find you? How do they follow you? I, my Instagram account is um, a sober and strong mom. And you can find me on my website, KimberlyKerns.com. Uh, yeah, and my book is, it's exciting. My book is out on November 1st. Very cool. And you can find it on Amazon, right? Yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere. And it will be out on Audible, audiobook um, in December. Did you read it? I chose not to because I I know I went back and forth, but I feel like I wanted a professional voice. Yeah. So many people are like, I'll turn off a book if it doesn't sound... Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound professionally done. So yeah, I know it was. I, I went back and forth, but okay, very cool. Well, thank you so much, and I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how twos for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.